Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve, called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And here at FCBC, you got to know this by now. We say it a different way. We live, we love, we serve. Amen. Thank God, beloved. Listen, this is uh, Women's History Month. And for the month of March, not only in TNT are we talking about overlooked women in the Bible, but on Sundays, we'll be preaching about women in the world of Jesus, women who were part of the Jesus narrative. And, and so I want to begin that series today and uh, looking at the Gospel of Mark, the fifth chapter, a very, very familiar story of Scripture. But I'm one of those people who believe you can go to familiar stories and gain fresh insight. And so Mark 5 verses 25 through 34. I'll read it from the New Revised Standard Version as well as the Message Bible. Mark 5, 25 through 34. And here's how it reads in the NRSV. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. In the Message Bible, it reads a little bit differently. And I want to read it from the message. A woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years, a long succession of physicians had treated her and treated her badly taking all her money and leaving her worse off than before, had heard about Jesus. She slipped in from behind and touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, if I can put a finger on his robe, I can get well. The moment she did it, 
the flow of blood dried up. She could feel the change and knew her plague was over and done with. At that same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said, what are you talking about? With this crowd pushing and jostling you, you're asking who touched me? Dozens have touched you. But he went on asking, looking around to see what, who had done it. The woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling, knelt before him and gave him the whole story. Jesus said to her, daughter, you took a risk of faith and now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed, be healed of your plague. Come on, beloved, let's, let's pray. God, we thank you this day and we honor you for how even now, oh God, you continue Continue to pour into us with every breath we take, oh God. We feel your presence. We feel your love. We feel your power. Continue, oh God, to pour. And we'll continue to honor your presence. And how will we do that, oh God? We will honor your presence by how we honor one another. We will treat one another with and in love showing the best of who we are oh god and not the worst for in these times times that can seem so troubling we want to be at our best to face the worst thank you god for endowing us with strength with power capacity but more than that the will to do the right thing we love you lord and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, beloved. Let me read a portion of that again in Mark 5, 25 through 34. I want to read actually verse 34 in the message version. Jesus said to her, daughter, you took a risk of faith and now you're healed and whole. Live well. Live blessed, be healed of your plague. This morning, I, I want to speak from that line in verse 34 in the Message Bible. I want to talk this morning about a risk of faith, a risk of faith. One of the ironies of this story is that this woman with the issue of blood was truly not the focus of Jesus's attention. And when you read the context of this woman's narrative, the story says that Jesus had been approached by one of the leaders of the synagogue whose name was Jairus. And Jairus had asked Jesus to come to his home because his daughter was sick and to the point of death. And he told Jesus that he believed that if Jesus would lay hands on his daughter, that she would be healed. And so Jesus was on the way to heal the girl and encountered the woman. She was not the object, again, of Jesus' attention. He was making his way 
toward Jairus's house. And even when Jairus had approached Jesus, the crowd was pressing in on him. The crowd was surrounding Jesus because by this time, people knew that where Jesus went and walked, things would happen. Great things would happen. In fact, one of my preaching heroes, the Reverend Dr. Gardner Taylor once said that where Jesus walked, people followed because in his path, crooked roads would be made straight and rough roads would be made plain that wherever Jesus walked, something powerful would happen. And so the crowd would surround him, would follow him, hoping to get a glimpse of who he was, a glimpse of his power, and at best, a glimpse of God at work in and through him. And so as he made his way to Jairus' house, Jesus was not aware that another saga was taking place, that while he was on his way to heal the girl, there was a woman who was making her way towards him because of her own brokenness, her own trial, her own struggle, her own issue. For 12 years, she had been bleeding. For 12 years, she had a hemorrhaging issue, a flow problem. For 12 years, she had to endure and suffer a level of disgrace that many of us are unfamiliar with. The belief was culturally at that time, the practice was that a woman, when she was going through her period of menstruation, that she would have to isolate herself from everyone because she was viewed as defiled because of the flow of blood. And during that period of menstruation, she would be disconnected, almost excommunicated from her fellowship until she would then perform a ceremony of ritual cleansing and then be accepted back in. Now imagine this woman for 12 years, ostracized, for 12 years, marginalized. For 12 years, living with the feeling of being excommunicated from your fellowship, from that which is familiar. And everyone at this point had to know about her issue in her region, in her town. For 12 years, she was viewed as an outcast. For 12 years, she was overlooked. The scripture says that she had gone to physicians who clearly could not help her hemorrhage, who could not stop her flow. But the inability to stop her flow did not stop them from milking her of her resources. They used her. They took all she had. The Message Bible says they treated her badly, but left her in a condition of wanting, a condition of still hurting, a condition of still bleeding. But more than that, a condition of being socially maligned and ostracized. She wanted a breakthrough. She wanted to be better. She wanted to be healed. But I've learned in my journey with God, in my life, there's a difference between desire and activating your desire. I hope you hear this, beloved. 
So many of us want to see change in our life and want things to be better or want to experience a breakthrough, not just from some physical ailment, but sometimes we want to see a breakthrough in our lives. We want to see a shifting in our lives. We want to see things change. We want to see things move towards a different trajectory that is that is shaped by what we deem as good and successful. We want change, but there's a difference between desiring it and then activating your faith to see it come to pass. Some of us love to linger in the space where we simply use the language of hope, the language of desire, the language of breakthrough, but then do not activate, do what it takes to pull our own capacities to see that the breakthrough comes about. That's what she did. She did not linger in the place where she dwelled, simply hoping for a breakthrough. She wanted it. She wanted it so bad that she was willing to further risk ridicule, to further risk being ostracized, to further risk being chastised. She was willing to come out of her hiding spaces, her broken corner, in order to get to Jesus. She didn't just want the breakthrough. She was willing to do whatever it took to bring about the change she wanted to see. She was willing to do whatever it took to bring about the change she wanted to see. She was willing to do whatever it took to bring about the change she wanted to see and the change that she hoped would make her whole again. The change that would heal her. The change that would restore her. And she took a risk. And the risk she took was not based on experience. It was based on what she had heard. The scripture said that she had heard about Jesus. And whatever she had heard about him was enough to cause her to galvanize her faith. Galvanize her strength in order to experience wholeness and healing. She was willing to do whatever it took. She didn't care what they would say. She didn't care what they could say. Because I'm sure in 12 years, she had already heard it all. She had already heard all the negative comments, the negative narratives connected to her issue. I'm sure she had heard people say that clearly she must have done something to upset God that would cause this tragedy, this ailment. I'm sure people thought that she was the true cause and that her flow, her hemorrhaging, her bleeding was punishment for what she had done, even though no one knew if she had done anything. But no one would be in her condition for such a long time if she had not done something to bring it about. So her issue was her punishment. In a word, I know there were those who felt that this was what she deserved. I can't imagine how it feels to walk with a truth that no one believes because of the assumptions about how you got where you are. But she knew the truth. She knew she had done nothing. She knew that there was no fault. She had an inexplicable condition that was untreatable by physicians who had used and manipulated her and she was at the end of her rope. She was at her wit's end and she decided to take a chance. How much worse could they have said about her? How much worse could be done to her? 
And she did not let the assumptions or narratives of people or their dismissiveness or disregard keep her locked in a place where she would not experience wholeness and healing. She transcended, she transcended the barriers that existed that would have prevented her from her breakthrough because she wanted it that bad. What barriers are you willing to transcend? Not for just shallow, superficial gain, but I'm talking about transcending barriers for your breakthrough, for your healing, for your wholeness. And I speak now not just of barriers erected by people, but I go a little deeper. What are the barriers that you have created that have prevented you from experiencing your best life and your best self? What walls did you build to box yourself in and thereby justify your confinement, captivity, and your containment? What did you do? What story did you whisper in your own ear? What, what narrative did you tell yourself in order to keep yourself put in a place of pain and woe and sorrow and grief and agony? How often did you talk to yourself and deepen your demise? It comes a point where you have to transcend the stifling lines that are defined by fear and move into a place of bravery and courage because you want your healing and your wholeness that bad. The story doesn't say what I'm about to say, but over the years I've said it and I've repeated it and I actually believe it. If she was viewed as defiled, which meant that no one wanted to come near her or even touch her, for they would then be considered defiled as well and would have to go through a ceremony of ritual cleansing. If she was viewed as defiled, and over 12 years, people knew who she was, and if people knew who she was and knew she was defiled, and when she stepped out of the place of confinement because of her captivity and because of her own issue and condition, I wonder how the people reacted and she sought to make a way towards Jesus. Oh, I've often seen this scene so many times over in my mind. I've seen her pain and I've seen her struggle and I've seen her hurt. But I've also seen as she sought to make a way, and hear this, beloved, her condition made a way. I hope you caught that. She wanted to make her way to Jesus. But the thing that was working against her made the way for her. What are you talking about, Pastor? Here it is. I'm convinced that as she began to move through the crowd, that as she was walking, people was like, you know who that is? You see who that is? That people started to actually move aside because they didn't want to be touched by her, didn't want to be defiled by her. And so, and so in many ways, being ostracized, being ridiculed, and being viewed as untouchable actually may have made the way easier for her to get to Jesus 
through the crowd. It doesn't mean that everyone may have recognized her, but I'm sure some did. And some got out of her way and she made a way to Jesus. No, let me get it. Some got out of her way and she was making a way and her issue made a way. Sometimes the very thing you, that people despise about you is the very thing that can open a door for you. I hope you get that this morning, beloved. Sometimes the very thing that people despise about you, and not just because of your character, but because of their assumptions. Because a whole lot of people look at us, look at you, judge you, make assumptions about you without even knowing you. And sometimes the things that they think about us based on assumptions that are not connected to knowledge often become the very things that open doors for you. The danger is not what they think. The danger is when you believe what they think and you begin to now close doors on yourself and hinder your own possibility. No, you can't always allow yourself to be shaped by the nonchalant musings of people who make false assumptions about who you are. She she had to live with that, but she doesn't let it stop her. She does not allow herself to remain defined by the negative assumptions and the cultural practice, cultural practice of being excommunicated, so to speak, from fellowship because of her issues. She transcends, again, the barriers that have been imposed upon her by people, by culture, and by social norms in order to get to a place of breakthrough. How many women have had to fight that fight historically? To transcend the social constructs, the cultural barriers, and the assumptions about them in order to still get to a place of breakthrough. How many times have women had to triple prove themselves in order to be viewed in a positive light. How many women had to press and fight historically to gain what we now view as gains for the women's liberation struggle? No, this woman's narrative is not unfamiliar to countless women in our culture, and it certainly is not unfamiliar to countless African-American women who've had to face not only sexism, but racism as well. They're, they are considered some, I like how, how Jacqueline Grant puts black women. She said black women are the oppressed of the oppressed. We know about those women in our own narratives who've had to transcend barriers to take care of their family, to feed their children, to make sure that, that their family was loved and whole. Oh, this is not a new image. It is an old one that sadly is still at play today, where so many women are still ostracized because of their gender, ostracized and, and, and have heaped upon them negative narratives and false assumptions about who they are and what they can do and what their capability is because they are women. There's still women today who wrestle with a flow problem but this time it's not a flow of blood, but a flow of misinformation and negative assumptions. There's still sisters seeking to transcend and break those barriers. This woman serves as a shero 
for so many women. She did not let anything stop her from getting to the place of healing and wholeness. And let me add this. She was making her way towards Jesus while Jesus was making his way away from her. I hope you caught that. That her pursuit was not accompanied, accompanied. He was on his way to Jairus' daughter's house to heal her. And on the way to the girl, the woman touched her. He wasn't looking in her direction. He wasn't paying attention. The crowd was pressing. He's walking away. She's walking toward to catch him. And in her mind, her faith was so strong based on what she had heard, not what she had experienced. She said, if I could just touch, and you know how we like to say in the old church, the hem of his garment. If I could just touch, she believed in her heart that she would be made whole and well again. She took a risk of faith. But is it really risky when you believe? Is it really that risky when your faith is so deep and so abiding, where your faith saturates your very being to the point where unbelief is insanity? She believed with every fiber of her being. And why wouldn't she? She had tried everything else, been to other places and spaces, and nothing had happened. Why not give the Galilean a try? Why not pursue the carpenter? Why not touch the hem of his garment? Because the report she heard had let her know that the possibility of her healing could, could be on the table. And so, with all the years of being maligned, she reaches. With all the years of being viewed as an outcast, she reaches. With all the years of being socially ostracized and disconnected from familiar people and family, she reaches. She reaches with 12 years of hurt and 12 years of pain and 12 years of confusion. All of that was in her hands that day. All of her experiences came to that moment. And so it wasn't just a woman's touch that Jesus felt. It was all of that that reached. And with that behind her reach, something happened. And something in her activated power in him. Something in her drew energy from him. Her faith made his power work when he wasn't even looking, when he wasn't even gazing in her direction. Unknowingly, he wasn't aware, and something happened. Jesus paused in the midst of the processional to Jairus' house and said, who touched me? His disciples, not understanding 
what he was really saying or getting at. They respond to him, Jesus, how could you ask who's touching you? Throngs of people around you. Everybody's pressing in on you. Everybody's trying to get close to you. He said, yeah, everybody's trying to get close, but everybody ain't touching me the same way. Everybody might be around me, but everybody's not reaching the same way. Something has happened. I have felt power leave me. Healing has left me. Energy has left me. Transformation has left me. Somebody touched me like no one else in this crowd has touched me because their touch beckoned my power. Their touch beckoned healing that resided within me. Who touched me? scripture says when she heard the conversation between Jesus and his disciples. I love this. Oh, capture the scene, beloved. He said in fear and trembling. <sighs> in fear and trembling. But the writer missed out a piece. In fear and trembling and with healing. She comes. She approaches. She approaches not in the old category of her issue. She approaches him in the new reality of her healing. Because the record said that when she touched him immediately, she felt whole and healed. She comes up to him. She said, it was me. I did it. I did it. And I wonder if Jesus knew what her ailment was. But he knew what had left him and gone her way. And he said to her, daughter, you took a risk of faith. That's why you're whole and healed now. Beloved, sometimes, again, the healing and the wholeness and the breakthrough that we desire can't simply remain a hope-for aspiration. There comes a point where we must activate our faith and galvanize our strength and our capacities to make it happen. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I don't know what the thing is, and I don't know what the issue is, but how bad do you want to rectify the problem? How bad do you want to experience the breakthrough? Are you willing to take a risk of faith? Because when you take that risk, you never know what is waiting on the other side of your risk taking. And remember those words that Jesus says to this woman. Because you took a risk of faith, your faith, not just my power, your faith, not just my capacity to heal, your faith made you whole.
Beloved, don't let fear be final. Let your faith have the last word. Come on, lean in today. Let's talk to God. Lord, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for these moments where we're pushed to remember that we can participate in our own healing. And we can participate in our own breakthrough. That sometimes in order to do that, we must transcend the barriers that, been, that have been erected to prevent us from getting our restoration. That it takes courage and bravery and tenacity. And not just the bravery and courage and tenacity modeled by this woman in the story, but countless women who have led the way courageously, sometimes overlooked, sometimes unsung, sometimes anonymous. But God, they are still our sheroes. Thank you for this woman's model, but thank you for the countless women who've paved ways that we now walk down. Thank you for this example today. Thank you for this opportunity to lean in a little bit more. Lean in and live. Thank you, God. We honor you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.